April. Hey. <laughs> Hi, world. <laughs> What's new? We're back. We're um, back. Oh, that's new. Uh, yeah, we're back. It's been yeah. three, two months? No. Two months. Uh, two and a half months. It might have been a month as far as I know. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's been... It's been some time. Yeah. Oh, and also this is... What are we called? Shoot. The Hopeless Writers Thank book. Thank you. I almost, said, I, almost said, I almost said, this is my favorite murder. And I was like, no, it is not. <laughs> all right. Hmm. <laughs> that is all I listen to. So... <laughs> Yeah, this is the Hopeless Writers Podcast, where each week we write, and by each week I use that term very loosely, <laughs> we write a short story. You mean, um, aspiring to be once a month, but really once quarterly yeah. is more accurate. Pretty much. Um, we write a, a short story based off of a prompt, and this week's prompt was fan fiction. Mm-hmm. 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 April, who goes first? <laughs> Um, uh, how long is yours? I can't estimate. It's in note notational form. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm guessing it's gonna, it's like two pages. Okay. Yeah. I want you to go first. Okay. <laughs> okay, I will. So as I said, <clears throat> this week's prompt was fan fiction. Now I'm going to run you through the pitches I came up for, for myself for this. So my first pitch was, what if Charlie from It's, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia wrote an episode of Law & Order? But then I was like, he's illiterate. <laughs> he can't. Um, <laughs> what if Charlie was literate and wrote an episode of Law & Order? <laughs> All in picture form. Mm. My second idea was, <clears throat> don't laugh at me. What if okay. I were Veronica Mars? <laughs> hey, I would love to be Veronica Mars. She's so much hero. fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my next idea was what if I literally wrote about fans, like ceiling fans, because I had no good <laughs> ideas. Um, what if I wrote fan fiction that no one would ever write about because you'd never want to be in it? I don't know where I was going with that. Um, what if... Like Schindler's List fan fiction? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Pretty much, yeah. Um, then I had the idea, what if Marathon... Oh hold on. I have to give you some backstory to this. So there is a 328 mile foot race mm. that exists. Oh, why? Uh, like all in one go foot race. What? Yeah. It's, it's like ultra, ultra, ultra marathons. It's stupid. A woman outright won the last one. I don't is know where like this is. Modeled after Forrest Gump or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't honestly, I don't understand. Um, let's see. I don't, I don't know how the human body can do that. No, I, it's just, I don't know. And I forget the name of it. They call it the something 340, but it is 328 miles. You run it all in one go and a woman came first out of everyone this last run. And died immediately. And then died, <laughs> which actually leads me to my idea. What if Marathon was a woman? You remember, sorry. Okay, you know the old, like, Roman legend of the messenger who who ran from the battle to Rome to deliver the news of whatever and then mm-hmm. died like gave the message and then died upon arrival I was like what if that was actually a woman because um uh, I guess there have been like studies women are more suited to long distance things interesting yeah <clears throat> just like mentally we're more prepared for it I'm not sure why but uh yeah that was my idea didn't write it I also <laughs> had an idea <laughs> Um, I recently saw Aquaman. Is, you're really building anticipation yeah. for what you're actually wrote. I recently saw Aquaman <laughs> and, uh, 
eh, it was okay. But I think the sto- the storyline kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. And my idea was like, well, I don't know if you've seen it. Have you? I have. Okay. My idea I was, was also slightly drunk. Okay. So I mean, my standards were not super high. <laughs> and I feel like it would have been better slightly drunk. It was. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my idea was um, Aquaman, like let's have his father be dying and his last request is to see his mother. And so Aquaman's whole journey is to find his mom. Mm -hmm. And then the whole stuff with Atlantis is like a sidetrack where like they discover him as he's swimming into the ocean to find his mom or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you have to come help us because you're this person. And he's like, dude, I have to go find my mom. Would have been so much better. I thought, uh, huh. that's, that's a good angle to take. Yeah. For some reason, I just had an image of him swimming and being like, get out of here. I'm trying to find my mom. Go and they just keep like bothering him like, <laughs> while he's swimming. So weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my final idea was imagining like, like in fan fiction, I feel like you just want to be in a world that's amazing and be part of that world. And usually it's or a love like, story. right plot wrongs or whatever, right. you know, like whatever you thought like yeah. went awry. Yeah. So my my initial or my last thought was, what about what if you could join the Avengers? And then so I had I I did not write it, but I did think of that because I've always thought about that, (laughs) like who I would be in the Avengers. (laughs) Well, my version of it was like, what if the Avengers had some sort of like terrible faux pas that they were trying to correct. Like they were on everyone's bad side and they were doing PR to try and get it on everyone's good side. And they held a contest where you could win the contest and become a superhero. Mm-hmm. Kind of like those things where they're like, donate $300 and you can have dinner with Neil Patrick Harris in New York, you know? Uh-huh. So, but like you can become a superhero <laughs> and then like someone wins and it's the most, you're like, my life is going to change forever. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, we have to work out at five in the morning every day. Like, this <laughs> yeah, sucks. like what would their superpower be? Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, and like then of you course, you win a superpower. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, so I didn't write that either. I mean, and that's then, interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so what I'm basically leading up to is, I didn't write this prompt at all. I wrote something else. Okay, so I have to apologize, but I, <laughs> I had nothing. The marathon one was kind of interesting, but it, that came to my mind this morning as mm-hmm. I was running 15 miles. So. Mm-hmm couldn't write it in time. (laughs) So instead I'm going to tell you a story about a young married couple named Barbara and Matthew. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Like I'm drawing on real life here. It's fine. Wait, what? Who are Barbara and Matthew? I'm going to tell you about them. No, it's not fan fiction. I'm not writing that prompt. Oh, you didn't write fan fiction. I'm sorry. Oh, I had nothing. (laughs) Like I had all those ideas and I was like, I got nothing here. (laughs) So, I don't know if there's a story out there about Barbara and Matthew. <laughs> I'm I feel like I in your description of this episode, you should be like, this week, Megan just tells the prompt to fuck off. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> like, uh, slightly apologetically, but like, pff, whatever. So, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you the story of Barbara and Matthew. They are a young married couple. And, um, early on in their marriage, they moved into their first home. Barbara, uh, loved to garden. Matthew was a repairman and I don't know, they really love each other. And, uh, quickly after their marriage, Barbara discovered Matthew was a super heavy sleeper. He could fall asleep like immediately and she could not wake him up. So (laughs) it was just like, I feel like that's a talent everyone wants. Yeah. 
and few have. Mm. Um, a few months after they moved into their new home, they went to bed. Matthew falls asleep almost instantly. And Barbara starts drifting off when she hears this whistling noise. It's not a human whistling. Like there's not a person whistling on the street. It's not like a steam whistle whistling. It's like machinery or something that sounds artificial. Mm. Like it's super weird and hard to place. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sounds unnatural. And it's 11 p.m. at night when she hears this. It's mm-hmm. like way too loud for that late at night. Like no one would be making this noise that late at night. And it lasts for about a minute and then it ends. So if anyone can see my face right now, I have like a stupid smile crawling across my face <laughs> because it sounds like Megan's going hard. <laughs> I don't oh. know if it, it probably isn't, but I just like this. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see where it goes. Okay. So the whistling starts to freak her out a little bit because it's so strange. Like it's so unnatural. It's it's not specifically mechanical. Like it doesn't sound like metal on metal or something. It sounds artificial just in a like a weirdly a weird way Mm -hmm. and so she's lying there and she's like what could this be and she eventually decides like it's aliens invading (laughs) like it's like close encounters of the third kind they're trying to communicate they're either like this is their warning signal or it's friendly i don't know but it sounds creepy enough and she's thinking all of this and because she's hearing the sound at the same time, she like starts to really freak herself out. Mm-hmm. And then she just looks over at Matthew who's sleeping through it. And she's like, okay, I mean, he's sleeping through it. So it's probably not the end of the world. And <laughs> then the sound stops and she just is like, okay, fine. Like it's gone. He's asleep. I'm just going to go to sleep. So she drifts off a couple nights later, it happens again. And it's so unsettling. It sounds like, it sounds like the feeling that it creates is like a terror in the universe. I know that sounds weird. Whoa. Or like a vacuum. Like, you know, when you think of windows busting out of a plane and like things are sucked out, it like, it sounds like that makes your skin crawl kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it's that ominous. Mm-hmm. And she sits bolt upright. It's like just too much for her. And it's enough for Matthew to kind of half wake up because it's so sudden. And he's like, is everything okay? And she tells him to listen and he does. And he's like, I don't, I don't hear anything. And she listens for a second and waits, but the sound was gone. It had stopped. So again, just goes back to sleep, but it's starting to bother her more. And the third time it happens, um, she, Matthew again, doesn't wake up, but she decides she's going to find out what it's like, where it's coming from, what it is. Um, she gets out of bed, she puts on her winter coat over her pajamas, she goes outside and she stands at the end of her driveway and just listens. And her, her house is on like a long residential street. One end, uh, leads to like a major road and the other end is a dead ends. Hmm. And so she's like, decides to go down to the dead end first. It's the shorter amount and then she can rule it out. So she starts walking down and she's passing houses where all the lights are out. Like no one's outside. Everyone's in bed. It's even later than 11 this time. Everything is dark and everything is quiet. She's the only person on the street. And the whistling starts to get louder as she walks down the street. And that's when she sees the house at the dead end. The garage is open and lit up. And as soon as she sees it, she feels like she's been pulled there almost. And then she immediately feels like this is nowhere she wants to be. She wants to get out, 
but she keeps walking closer yeah she keeps walking closer like almost like she's been hypnotized and that's when she sees this huge german shepherd guarding the open garage and she can't stop walking towards it she is still going towards it and at first it sees her and it stands up and growls and it takes a couple steps toward her but then its ears go back and its its tail starts wagging like almost like it's seen her before Hmm. and and so she's like less scared now but she still feels this like compulsion to go closer and figure out what's going on So she does go closer, and the first thing she sees is this machine. And the machine is kind of like a wood chipper, but it's like a crank almost that's turning. Mm -hmm. And uh, what it's doing is basically pulverizing bits of, like, flesh and bone. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. And she can't tell at first. Like, it could be animal. I don't know, whatever. But she's seeing (laughs) it. I'm just so happy that you wrote something so (laughs) fucked up. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So she's looking at this machine. And so it's, like, that's being pulverized. And then there's, like, this bucket that all the blood and the goop and stuff is dripping into. And every time something goes through it, that's causes the whistle it's so weird yeah (laughs) and she's staring like standing there staring at it and can't look away and is just so like shocked doesn't know what's going on and then there's a person there and she sees him from the back first um it's like a it's a slender back they're wearing a coat Hmm. and then they turn around and it's her own face staring back at her. Oh. So she's looking at herself, <clears throat> like down to the pajamas, down to the winter coat. Mm-hmm. And she's looking at this mask of her face. It's like a grotesque portrait that seems to like reflect the most evil part of herself. Like, mm-hmm. like things that she's never even imagined. Like she can see doubt and jealousy and anger and this desire to hurt, but unattached from emotion. It's just Mm -hmm. the cold, evil face. And she wants to leave, but she can't escape. She tries to turn. She moves her shoulders back as if she's going to gain momentum and run. And the copy does the same thing. She can't move. And the copy, when it twists backwards, grabs an axe from a nearby table. (laughs) I know. She's watching this. Her feet can't move. She can't do anything. Almost like the high pitch of the whistle has paralyzed her body and just freneticized her brain and that's when the copy shows its first trace of emotion it smiles (laughs) it smiles her smile the smile that was in all her school pictures in countless facebook albums in her wedding photos it smiles and it turns off the machine and the whistling stops and barbara begins to run so matthew had slept through (laughs) this whole thing the whistling barbara getting up and leaving but he wakes up out of a dead sleep when he feels Barbara slide back into bed. And he's like, what is it? And the reply is nothing. Go back to sleep. And he does. And beside him, Barbara, or someone who looks like Barbara, lies on her back, staring at the ceiling into the dead of night. Okay, yeah, that's my story. Uh, okay. Okay, so yeah. I feel like this is inspired by something, though. Something oh, yeah. we have talked about. Oh, is it? Annihilation. Oh, no. No? 
No. Because like when you said the thing about it, like mimicking her movement oh. and it's a copy of her and that what comes back Wait, is isn't not I? her. Oh yeah. I was thinking you meant hereditary. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. So that, <laughs> that copy of her, that moment is kind of inspired by annihilation. Mm-hmm. I also thought of, um, what's that creepy Duplass brothers movie? Oh, the one I love. Oh, the one I love. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, so basically, I don't know if they directed that one, did they? I know he was Mark Duplass was in oh, it. Oh, that's right. Let me let me actually credit this to the right person. <laughs> Charlie McDowell directed it, and Justin later screenwrote it. Okay, so their movie, um, the one I love, which is so freaking creepy, but um, the whistling is a legit sound I have heard at Ooh. my new house. Yeah, Ooh. and it's happened twice now Mm -hmm. and the first time i heard it i was like aliens are invading and we're all like this this (laughs) is what is it the 10 cloverfield lane i'm like that's Mm -hmm. what this is like it's (laughs) happening now and it was so freaky and um and then i was like it's either that or like someone's like chopping up a body this late at night with some weird (laughs) machine so i kind of combined the two Uh um but then i was like so i'll run you through the ideas that i went through when i was writing this i was like so what if aliens take over her body and then i was like well that's kind of campy like what are they doing that to the whole neighborhood and they're killing people one by one and chopping them up and then taking over their body really maybe i mean maybe (laughs) (laughs) they're chopping up their bodies but then taking over their bodies (laughs) (laughs) and then i was like like what if she sees someone chopping up bodies and then she just goes back to bed and doesn't say anything and i'm like but why, hmm. why wouldn't she just call the cops? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then I was like, what if the person looks like her husband? Mm. And then I was like, but what if the person looks like her? <laughs> and I circled that idea. <laughs> what if she's the dog? <laughs> <laughs> but then, so I, I imagine this, like, I think c- cinematically it would, uh, it would come across better the twist because um, my thought was like visually, I could show them like Matthew is always like sleeping on his back and she always like curls up next to him, like fetal position kind of thing. And then at the end, as like a sign of like, it's somebody different, she'll sleep on her back. Mm -hmm. So like some, something subtle like that, where you're like maybe left wondering if it's the Barbara or the copy, Mm -hmm. but yeah, essentially, I mean, you can write any ending you want, but in my mind, Barbara gets killed and the copy goes back to bed. But so what is the deal? What's with the copy? Um, Yeah, that's the thing, right? (laughs) Who is it mashing up? And um, I know like there's even a copy of the dog. Oh, is there a copy of the dog? Oh, oh. So my thought there is, see, that's I guess I haven't figured out the deeper reasoning behind this because the Mm. dog at first is like on guard. But then it recognizes her because it's seen her before because it's seen the copy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, like I don't know what, it, what the deeper thing could be. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could continue this because mm-hmm. I actually want to know what happens. Like, I think it oh. sets up really well and it gets really fucked up and creepy. Okay, and I like it. Um, and I also, I well, I think it's like a creepy pasta. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't know what that is. Creepy pasta are basically just like scary stories that people write and post online. Okay. I think, I don't know if it's like Reddit that they put them on or if Reddit has distributed a lot of them. I'm not a Reddit user, a regular Reddit user. I wonder if it could be something, I'll think of more ideas, but I wonder if it could be something like, like picture of Dorian Gray was also kind of an inspiration for the copy. 
where like, what if it's like someone can live forever, but they always have to kill someone and then they like take over their lifespan in a sense. Mm -hmm. But then why are they killing someone when she goes up to the garage? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Unless like they're not pulverizing bodies. I just really liked that visual. I was like, I just put lasagna in this. (laughs) (laughs) It's just tomatoes. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you have some ideas. Yeah. Our great loyal listener base. Oh, yeah, yeah. Email me. Hey, write fan fiction based on this story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Write some fanfic based on this story and email them to our email, which is. (gasps) (laughs) Dang it. Hopelesswriters at gmail.com. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, if you have any ideas, email us at hopelesswriters at gmail.com. Yeah, man. But yeah, uh-huh. I went full horror on this, huh? Yeah. When I said it sounds like you're going horror, you looked like, oh, I'm not going horror. But oh, but I was. <laughs> I was just excited. And then I was like, uh-huh. play cool, my guy. Play cool. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, e. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, so is Tiga a very deep sleeper? Oh my gosh. Like sleeps like the dead. Really? I could probably walk on his face and he'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Once I think Rambo, my cat actually ran over his face and he did not even <laughs> flinch. Like, like she was like running to the window to see a cat. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't understand that. I just I mean honestly like what kind of conscience lets you sleep like that? <laughs> you must be a psychopath. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sorry, Megan. Dang it. <laughs> Signs of psychopathy. You sleep like a baby. <laughs> oh man. I also feel like he is not um he has not been positioned well in like third the Darwinian, uh, <laughs> like method or story. I don't know. It's just like, he's not gonna, you know, like if something attacked the city, yeah, it's just, Tiga? yeah, like, he just would never wake up. <laughs> like, that's true. So, I know. Survival I'm, of the fittest. I'm like, and like legit, he falls asleep in two seconds. So I'm lying there like, Oh my God, what is, what is our world coming to? I'm going mm. to die. And then I actually did the thing where I like sat up in fear and he was like, no, what? And I'm like, do you hear that? <laughs> and he was kind of like, uh, nothing. And I like, fell back asleep. I'm like, well, I guess if we die, <laughs> like he'll die peacefully. <laughs> he will not wake up. It's like all that boxing mm. is for nothing. <laughs> like there's an intruder in your house and he's like in your room. <laughs> And Tiga's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tiga, if you listen to this, I love you. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> Tiga, if you listen to this, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I don't think you're a psychopath. <laughs> Well, people have called me one. Oh, want to know the moment where where I feel like he wondered if I was a psychopath? <laughs> one. Because <laughs> I so I'm scrolling through my phone, and he sees that my dad is in my contacts as Michael Hale. <laughs> I don't have my dad in my contacts as dad, and he uh-huh. was like, "Tiga's watching it." He's like, "Okay." <laughs> And later he told me that was like the first moment where he was legitimately worried. Cause my friend Catherine <laughs> always makes fun of how I'm a psychopath. Really? Yeah. 
I think she. Why? I don't. I think it's. I don't think I've never gotten that sense from you. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I think it's because a lot of times I either won't express my emotion or like I won't understand what I'm feeling, and it takes like. It takes me a while or it takes outside help for someone to be like, oh, this is what you're experiencing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, you're sad. (laughs) I'm like crying and eating ice cream. I'm like, is that what it is? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's kind of funny. So we have another story to read. We do. (laughs) And mine is is actual fan fiction. Actual fanfic. And it's based on uh, a horror show, but I don't know if it's as scary as Megan's. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) All right. So this is a crossover fan fiction. So it's two different things. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start with one of them. Okay. One of them that you are familiar with. It's a show called Supernatural. Yes. (laughs) And um, I just recently started rewatching it on Netflix. Oh my gosh! And um, it's good. I just love that show. It's so good, and the comedic episodes are so funny. They are like they've actually done pretty well. Like people don't realize it's actually a really good. Like it's a solid show. Yeah, and they have like like really interesting mythology. Mm -hmm. Like what they do, like as the seasons go on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I sadly I did not watch past probably season seven. I mean, Seven-ish. I feel like it's hard to because it's the same thing in the sense of it's always the brothers fighting. Yeah. One saves like the Sam's other. keeping something from oh. Dean and, De- you know, like, like I don't Dean know. dies and or yeah. Sam dies and <laughs> Dean saves him. And then, yeah. Or, yeah. And then Dean dies and Sam yeah. saves him, you know. And they're always telling each other, don't make promises with the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they do. Stop selling your soul, man. <laughs> Um, I will say when I Googled fan fiction prompts, because I did, because I was that desperate, mm-hmm. um, just pages and pages of Tumblr and, and Pinterest <laughs> about Supernatural came up. And oh, it was yeah, all like, imagine ton. if Sam went on a date with you. Uh, well, mm-hmm. that's the PG version that's of what it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they've even made fun of that on the show, actually. Because there's really? such like a loyal fan base oh, and there's so much fan fiction out there. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so much material, obviously, because I, I feel like they're on, like, season 13 or something Yes, now. at least. Yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, enough about them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so this this begins as supernatural fan fiction. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just going to... It's going to pretty quickly... <laughs> I, I just realized, like, at the third sentence in, you're going to know what the crossover is. All right. <laughs> so, anyway. <clears throat> Here we go. Mm-hmm. Did not title it. Sam and Dean arrived in front of the house, a large, intimidating structure set deep in the woods on a hill curiously untouched by sunlight. It was a call from Bobby that brought them there on this brisk evening. Reports of missing people had long plagued Hill House... Oh, and piqued Bobby's interest, but the house's tragic history was always considered an urban legend in the hunter community until recently when the disappearance of an entire family made Bobby think otherwise. Mm -hmm. The crane siblings and their father were last seen a few days prior. Luke, Stephen and Hugh had all been spotted in a nearby convenience store, possibly en route to the mansion, while rumors swirled of two women presumed to be Theodora and Shirley Crane veering off a stretch of road that led to the house on that same night. Ooh. Highly unusual, given that their sister, Nell Crane, 
had supposedly committed suicide in the house only days prior. Sam and Dean were passing through Boston in pursuit of a white-eyed demon and stopped by the house at Bobby's request. A police search had yielded nothing, though, and the brothers were skeptical that further investigation of the house would turn up anything new. Regardless, it would be interesting to see the house in person. They exited the Chevy Impala and stared in wonder at the mansion. Sam admired its haunting beauty, pondered how Bobby's research was unable to turn up so much as a record of the house's construction. It was as if the house had simply appeared on that spot. The sound of a camera shutter interrupted his thoughts. <laughs> he turned his gaze away from the ominous structure to find Dean beside him, holding a disposable camera. What are you doing? Sam asked. Dean looked at his brother with an expression normally reserved for children at Disneyland. <laughs> Dude, it's Hill House, the stuff of legend. Sam smiled despite himself. He couldn't deny his brother's excitement. In fact, he was pretty intrigued himself. Where'd you even get a disposable camera? He wondered aloud. Back at the convenience store, when you were questioning the manager about the cranes. Dean replied, crouching on the ground to get a shot of the house through the grass. <laughs> you have a phone, you know, with a better camera than that, Sam retorted. Not the same. Smile! Dean snapped another picture, this one of his brother grimacing in front of the house. Okay, let's go! Dean jogged forward. Slow down, Sam scrambled to open the trunk and grab their equipment. Two sawed-off shotguns, kerosene, and a bag of salt. Mm. The basics. <laughs> Sam swung the bag over his shoulder and closed the trunk to find Dean already at the front door of the house. Dean, wait, don't go in alone, Sam shouted. Calm down, dude, Dean chided. I'm not going to disappear. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dean opened the large wooden doors and entered the house. Sam sprinted after him, running across the expansive yet unkempt property. He ran through the doors and into the foyer. Foyer? Foyer? A large open room with ashen gray walls. A grand but decaying staircase stood in front of him, vines crawling up the banister. But no Dean. Ooh. Dean? Sam shouted. No answer. If you're screwing around, dude. But his voice broke. Something told him that this wasn't a joke. He opened his bag and looked inside for his shotgun when a cold, pale hand clamped his mouth. <laughs> Sam screamed and got his hands on the gun just in time. He whipped around to find Poppy the once beautiful and alive resident of the house, now a pale, white-eyed, decrepit figure. Poppy smiled. Sorry about that, sugar. <laughs> you know how she talks? Yeah. <laughs> she said through rotted teeth. Yeah, well, sorry about this, Sam retorted, and squeezed the trigger, scattering the spirit into a cloud of smoke. Rock salt. Ooh. Sam paused to collect himself. He had to keep moving. She'd be back. Sam moved cautiously through the house, making his way past the staircase and into a room full of ghostly white sculptures all of which seemed to be staring at him. One in particular caught his eye. He paused and looked intently at the figure, which stood at the very end of the long room. Sam cautiously made his way toward the waif-like sculpture, which against the cold dead marble surrounding it seemed fairly alive. In fact, that wasn't a sculpture at all. You're Nell Crane, Sam said, incredulous. Nell Crane's ghost, to be exact. Ooh. You shouldn't be here, she said, sullen and stoic at the same time. I'm trying to find my brother. Do you know where he is? He said, desperate, asked, desperate. She glanced upwards. With them. Them? Who's them? Other spirits? She looked at him, despair washing over her delicate features. He understood. Your family. They were taken too. By that woman? She's not the problem, Nell replied. My mother is. <gasps> she won't let them go. Your mother who... Killed herself, Sam asked. She didn't kill herself, Nell said sharply, frightening Sam a bit. And I didn't either. I believe you, Sam said reassuringly. 
I can salt and burn her bones. Release her. Do you know where she's buried? It's not as easy as that, Nell said. This household's on to you. Burning her bones won't put her to rest. But maybe, maybe destroying the house will. Sam took a whiff. Kerosene. Smells like someone already tried that, he said. Luke, Nell replied. Her eyes widened. Come with me. I have a plan. Ooh. Dean. She's, she's a good ghost right now. She is. Well, I mean, at the end of the last episode, she appears good. <clears throat> you know, she helps them all out. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, she's <laughs> more helpful here. Yeah. No, oh, she one, is. She's like, let me look into the distance and spout poetry. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> Dean found himself standing in the middle of what appeared to be a deserted town. He paused for a moment. How did he get here again? Come on, idiot. Bobby growled. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time to waste. Dean remembered. They were here for Sam. He was kidnapped by the demon Azazel and taken here, along with the other special children. Do you remember that at the end of season two? It's like a battle royale of special children. Uh, no. It's right. been a long time. Yeah. Dean needed to find him before it was too late. There he is, Bobby declared. Dean looked up ahead. Sam was walking toward him. A wave of relief washed over Dean. But he was wary. Something was wrong here. He looked at Jake, the other abductee, walking alongside Sam. And then it clicked. Dean began to run toward them. Sammy, look out, Dean shouted. Jake pulled out a knife, a knife intended for Sam. Dean tackled him and pinned his hands behind his back. He grabbed the knife and handed it to Sam, who looked at it, bewildered. How did you know he was going to do that? Sam asked. No idea, Dean chuckled, but maybe I'm a psychic freak like you. Jake, still on the ground, muttered something unintelligible. What was that? Dean asked, chastising him. It doesn't matter, he said, smiling. Okay, crazy. Dean replied. He looked at Sam, whose expression had turned to stone. It really doesn't, Sam said, then smirked and stabbed himself <gasps> again and again. Ew! Sammy, no, stop! Dean shouted in vain and grabbed the knife from his brother, but it was too late. Sam was bleeding out. Dean held Sam, collapsing under his weight. He looked up at Bobby. Bobby, get help! Why? Bobby coldly replied. Think about it, son. This is what you wanted all along. You know what your brother would become. What are you talking about? Dean cried out, then looked at his brother dying in his arms. Sam blinked to reveal glowing yellow eyes. The demon eyes? Yeah, demon eyes. Dean, a voice bellowed. He looked up to find Nell Crane sitting beside him. <laughs> Dean awoke in the red room, surrounded by the four Crane siblings, all staring at him. Hey, I'm here to save you, <laughs> he said sheepishly. <laughs> Nell's spirit ascended the tall spiral staircase, at the top of which was the charcoal-colored, petrified body of her father. <laughs> Do you remember how that happened to yeah. her? <laughs> Sweetie? A voice echoed from behind her. She turned to find her mother, Olivia Crane, standing before her. What are you doing? You know you can't stop this. My children are here to stay. Olivia stated in a euphoric, sickeningly sweet manner. Gross. <laughs> We're not your children, and you're not our mother. Not the mother we knew, anyway. This house twisted her into something else, and you're what's left. Sweetie, Olivia Crane walked forward. Stop, Nell said forcefully, causing her mother to pause. Now, she said to a visibly confused Olivia. Only she wasn't talking to Olivia, but Sam, who ran up behind Olivia and completed the circle of salt that had been poured on the floor. Nice. Effectively trapping the eldest Mrs. Crane. What? Olivia looked from Sam to Nell. 
honey, you can't do this. You can't do this to me. Nell pityingly looked at her father and placed her hand on his head. The petrifaction lifted and he was released, gasping for air. She then moved to the red door, which opened before her to reveal her siblings alive and well. Except Luke, who needs to get to a hospital stat (laughs) because he's been in there for three days. (laughs) Maybe time passes differently in the red room. Maybe. (laughs) Along with a bewildered Dean. Go, she said. Stephen, Shirley, and Theo looked at her meaningfully. But... Yeah, yeah, I love you and confetti and all that. Now go. (laughs) Yes! The siblings exited the room, took one last look at the incredibly distraught spirit of their mother, and along with their father, kept moving. Dean, the last one out, embraced his brother. Can't wait to get these pictures developed, he whispered. (laughs) No, you can't leave me. Not again, Olivia uh, Olivia Crane exclaimed at her children. He looked at his wife in distress. She's right. I can't leave her. He turned to Nell. Or you. It's okay. We're not going to be here much longer. She looked to Sam, who poured kerosene inside the red room. Nell looked at her dad. You have to go for the heart. Yeah. Sam lit a match. The cranes in the Winchesters fled the burning building, looking back one last time. The windows were filled with every spirit the house had taken, some appearing content, others terrified, a few angry. Nell and Olivia appeared before a large window and looked at their family one last time. The fire burned hot and fast, and soon their spirits evaporated into the night sky. The Winchesters accompanied the cranes to the hospital. Luke made a miraculous recovery, (laughs) given that he had been lying poisoned in the red room for days. (laughs) Dean, always a master of tact, asked Theo if she's sure she was a lesbian. (laughs) Theo was affronted, not only because of the insulting implications of the question, but also because the thought of touching someone who died several times (laughs) and bid to hell and back physically made her feel ill. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Happily ever after. (laughs) I love that. Oh, good. The house is destroyed. Yay. Yay is right. (laughs) I felt like, you know, burning it from yeah. the red room, you know, like that. You're right. Could make a difference. Yeah. You know, because that's the heart. And it whatever. would make sense. It's Luke t- didn't do that in the show because he didn't know about the red room at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's burning the foyer, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't work. <laughs> oh, that is so creepy and good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Bravo. Thank you. Yep. I was worried. <laughs> no, I liked it a lot. I know I made Dean kind of like a doof in this, but like kind of can be. <laughs> but I think their voices be. came through very well. Oh, good. Yeah. But and also I did like I wanted to show something from Dean's perspective. Mm-hmm. So I had him experience like what the cranes experienced in the room, right. which is like a vision from the past and, mm-hmm. you know, being like twisted and mm-hmm. um, turning into like his worst nightmare, you yeah, know, exactly. So, Yeah. <laughs> Justice. Justice. The house is destroyed. Yeah. And they're all released. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Bravo. I made Nell Crane like a, an action hero. (laughs) Sort of. Kind of. (laughs) Yeah. She seemed to have, she had like a little more, um, autonomy maybe Mm -hmm. than in the, but like, I don't know. Her whole character in the end annoyed me. It's like confetti. I love confetti and all that stuff. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That scene was like 10 minutes long. Yeah. It was like, it was necessary because she they had to say goodbye to her, mm-hmm. you know. But I remember talking with you and the fact that it happened in the red room did make it mm-hmm. feel 
a little odd because they're still being digested and she's exactly. standing there talking to them about whatever. You yeah, know, wouldn't like, she want to get them out? Yeah. So, yeah. But I guess she can't, I don't know if they're, you know, for some reason the mother had to be the one to let them out, but. Oh, maybe. But yeah, that was, my thought was, uh, when I was watching it was, is Nell in that scene just a manifestation of the Red Room to get them mm-hmm. to be like quiet? Yeah. It could yeah. be. Yeah. Could be, could be. If only we could film that crossover episode <laughs> and destroy that freaking house. <laughs> it would have been so much more satisfying than the ending. I know. I did not love the ending of Hell House. Yeah. I know, like, not everyone loved the ending, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, overall, I think it's an awesome show. Mm-hmm. That ending was, it's, like, I was mostly satisfied i guess like with how they had paid off certain things narratively mm-hmm. and obviously i wanted to see at least you know the four remaining siblings <laughs> to like get yeah. out alive and live yeah. um yeah it's just things that didn't feel earned necessarily you know because mm-hmm. they flash forward in time and everyone's all happy and steven's wife is pregnant that and was stuff. like a little crazy to me from like yeah. so yeah how many years in the future are we? <laughs> well, apparently two, because it Luke's cake says two, you know, oh, like right, two okay. years. Well, because the thing is, it mirrored what they saw in the red room. Like Stephen in the red room saw his wife pregnant, you know. Oh my gosh, you're right. And well, that was a theory that they're still no, in they're the red room. they're still in it? Ew. Yeah. But I think they made it fairly clear that they're not because they were th- Unless indicators. we're supposed to discount the reality. Yeah. Because well, like his, their dad for sure is dead and yeah. stuck there. Yeah. So yeah, that seems odd. And then the whole like futuristic, like when the the old couple caretakers like go and she dies yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. I don't think they're it still doesn't. In the red room. No, it's like it's kind of a theory that um they could have like I think it was a possible ending, but mm-hmm. they decided not to go with it. Okay. And there are indicators like when everyone's having their visions in the red room, mm-hmm. um, there's always something red in that vision. Oh. So like, and if you look for that at the end, it doesn't follow. Like there's not something red. That's creepy. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I think in Luke's, his sneakers are red. I think in Steven and in Steven's, I think he's wearing red sweater or something. Mm. I think they're all wearing something. And oh, in Theo's, the girl is wearing, you know, like red underwear. Okay. Yeah. And Shirley is wearing something red in hers. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So. Yeah. Then again, his cake does have red outline <gasps> on it. But the thing is, there's so many scenes mm-hmm. beyond that, you know, like after they get out it of the house. It would have had to have like ended right there. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah. So that's my my supernatural Honing of Hill House crossover. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah this is our episode and <laughs> um if you have fan fiction stories yeah or want to write one based on megan's story <laughs> yeah or want to write a story based on any of our previous prompts oh yeah that send be us fun. some freaking mail yeah dudes <laughs> we'll reply we have <laughs> and the time that. yeah <laughs> <sighs> one day we will definitely read them yeah if it's as long as it's not in like in our minds yeah. and like <laughs> don't say that no one will ever say that. that's how when you said it that's like what it sounds like we'll definitely read them i don't know if we'll read them on air like that's how it sounded to me no how about this as long as there's no swearing or gross stuff in it 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's decent. Yeah. Uh, do we swear? Okay. How about this? As long, yes. Oh, I swear. We do. Yeah. As swearing, long as it's decent. And we, we both had swearing and gross stuff in our stories. <laughs> yeah. How about this? We are the censor. Okay. This is just derailing. <laughs> How about this? We don't won't censor. Don't. Okay. Here's something. Yeah. I don't want to hear specifically about um, sexual things. <laughs> Yeah, how about this? Anything you want to write, we'll read it, no matter how weird or gross it is, except no sex. <laughs> We're a like children true Americans. Yeah. <laughs> like true You're British American rejecting now, Americans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Please don't take anything we say seriously. Yeah. Just write your freaking stories. Yeah, we just, just want <laughs> you to write stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Okay, we love all right, you. Yeah, <laughs> we love. Yeah, we love you all. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> all right, and that's and the end. end. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>